Hello, welcome to Adapt, a show that explores using the iPad in new and different ways. This is episode two. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are you, Federico? I'm great, Ryan. How are you? I am doing well. Excited about our second episode. And believe it or not, even though it's only episode two, we have a bit of follow-up to start the show. Of course. Of course we do. Um, what, what do we have in our follow-up basket? So in the follow-up basket this week, uh, last time we talked about how we'd like to see multitasking change on the iPad. And I, I mentioned the need for better options to engage multitasking when you don't have a physical keyboard attached. You know, when you do have a keyboard attached, using command space to open search is really the best way to multitask with apps that aren't in your dock. Um, but at the time of recording last episode, I didn't realize it is in fact possible to put two non-dock apps into a split view together without needing a keyboard. Uh, it, it's not the most obvious thing in the world, but fortunately several listeners wrote in to share that uh, the way you do it is tap and hold an app icon on your home screen for a second until you can drag it away and then move it slightly from its spot and keep holding it there. You don't want to tap and hold it too long or else you're going to activate the rearrange mode. And you also don't want to move it too far or else it might change the order of apps on your home screen. So it's very precise what you need to do. But if you tap and hold it for just a second and then drag it away slightly, then with your other hand, you can tap on the icon of any other app on your home screen. And that second app will open while you still have the first app held in your finger. And you can then drop it on top of the second app that opened to open it and slide over. Or you can move it to the left or right side of the screen, which will open it in split view. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure that I mentioned this in my iOS 11 review from two years ago. But I still think that your original point from um, two weeks ago still holds true that um, it is still faster to just, when you're in a split view, to just hit command space and open search and find an app that you want to add to a split view from search. Because the home screen method, it is possible. I never use it myself um, because it, I find it to be super slow. I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I must have used the home screen drag away method maybe five times in the past two years. It makes for a good demo. I think it makes for a great demo on stage. It is not very practical. No, and it's, it's hard to explain to other people, as I just proved. So thank you for all those who wrote in with that bit of information. Uh, it's yeah. nice to know that it is indeed possible. But moving right along, we have two challenges for today. Uh, so I gave you a challenge. You gave me a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to do first is you can share what your challenge for me was, and I can share with our listeners how that went this week. Yes. So in the previous episode, I challenged Ryan to use HomeKit on his iPad through apps and tools that were not the built-in Apple Home app for iPad. So anything third-party was okay. Widgets, apps, dashboards, automation, everything was fine as long as it was not the official built-in Apple Home app for iPad. So, Ryan, how did it go? It went all right. I think I learned a few things. 
So first of all, I did what I often do when I'm trying to find new apps for something. I went to the app store and I searched for HomeKit. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really discovered that there are two main types of alternatives to Apple's Home app on the app store for iPad. There are apps that focus on kind of being a HomeKit dashboard of sorts, uh, where they're really optimized for using on an iPad that is a dedicated HomeKit controller. Uh, I know that some people do this with old iPads that they have lying around. They repurpose them as HomeKit controllers that do nothing but run a HomeKit app all day so that you have convenient access to all the controls for all your HomeKit devices. Uh, there are several nice looking apps that accomplish that purpose, uh, but I didn't think they'd be a great fit for me because I only have one iPad. Uh, imagine that, just one iPad, Federico. <clears throat> and uh, it, it's an iPad that I use all day long for work. So, you know, rather than trying to use one of these dashboard type apps, uh, I went with something that really focused on replacing Apple's Home app as much as the HomeKit APIs enable and even offering more powerful tools than what Apple's Home app provides. Uh, and the app that I spent the most time with is an app, funnily enough, that is also called Home. Hmm. Are you sure you didn't use the Apple app? Are you I, cheating here? I, I'm positive, yeah. It, mm, it is okay. called Home, though. But uh, Home is developed by Matthias Hotchgatterer, I believe is his mm -hmm. name. Yes, yes. And uh, so what I found out over the last couple of weeks is that there are two main areas that I appreciated about this Home app over and above Apple's Home app. Uh, and those two areas were widgets and automation. Uh, widgets easily became my favorite way to interact with Hotchgatterer's Home app. Uh, I'm not someone who normally opens the full interface of Apple's Home app to control HomeKit accessories. Uh, you know, normally I'll either use the Control Center tile to adjust accessories, or I will use Siri and my voice. Uh, when I want to control a device, I want to do it as conveniently as possible. And so the idea of opening a whole app and controlling, let's say, my lights from there has never been very appealing. When I want to change the lights, I want it to be as fast and convenient as possible. And so the widgets that this third-party home app provides were a really great way to do that. Um, the app actually comes with four different widget options. There's a cameras widget, uh, one for groups, another for scenes, and finally one for services. I know that the cameras widget is pretty great because from what I've read, it provides a live view of a camera's feed right in the widget. Um, but unfortunately, I don't have any HomeKit cameras, so I wasn't able to test mm. that. Um, Federico, have you used the cameras widget in Home before? So yes, I'm familiar with Home. Um, it's one of the it's one of the apps that um, actually takes advantage of some of the HomeKit APIs bef so very often before Apple even supports them in their own home app. So I, I used the camera widget from home uh, before. Personally speaking, I prefer using as my sort of go-to full-time um, camera utility, um, HomeCam, which is another HomeKit app uh, made by Aaron Pierce. He makes a bunch of HomeKit utilities. Uh, he's also the maker of Home Run, which is uh, one of our favorites on the Apple Watch. Um, I use that widget instead, uh, but really the functionality is comparable between the two. 
um, but I'm familiar with the with the home widget. It's really well done. I just prefer the home cam one. I think be- because it came out first and because it supports a grid layout. And last time I checked, um, home didn't have a grid layout for the cameras, but maybe that's changed now. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, so the two widgets that I use the most myself were the scenes and services widgets. Uh, each of these has a grid of buttons for controlling different scenes and different HomeKit devices. So the services widget is dedicated to um, individual devices. So let's say you have a smart plug, you can turn it on and off from that widget. Overall, I really enjoy using widgets to control my HomeKit devices. Apple's uh, control center tile for the Home app is very similar. Uh, It offers some of the same functionality for sure, but I'm so used to swiping over to the widget screen and accessing controls from there. And so the ability to do that with Home was really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm taking a look at your widgets now. Um, Yeah, this is very interesting. I have a couple of questions for you. Uh, if you don't mind, um, first one is, what is white noise machine? Is that an actual machine that's plugged into a smart plug? Yeah, so I have a white okay. noise machine. Uh, my wife and I sleep every night with a white noise machine running. And so I've got it tied to like our good night scene. Okay. But I also will turn it on and off manually throughout the day at times. Okay, and my, my second question was, do you also have physical switches for your smart lights installed? I do not. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, I I have a mixture of hue bulbs and smart switches that are plugged into lamps, for example. Okay. And uh, so there there aren't actual physical switches. And honestly, I wouldn't want to use a physical switch at this point. I've gotten so used to either using uh, a widget, control center tile, or Siri on my HomePod that I the idea of flipping a physical switch is just not appealing anymore. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Okay, moving on. Uh, what's next? Uh, what did you do next? Okay, so besides widgets, the second main area that I found that Home, the third-party app, brought a lot of value is in automation. Uh, in Apple's Home app, you can set up a few different types of automation, but the options there are really limited. Whereas in the third-party app, there are a wide variety of automation triggers that you can use. Uh, and you can also add extra conditions to a trigger You can set those conditions with and or parameters. Uh, You can, for example, configure a countdown to undo the triggered actions. So let's say you want a certain automation to run when something happens, but then you want that action to be undone after 10 minutes or something. Uh, There's just so much flexibility there. There's so much power that it goes a lot deeper than Apple's Home app does. Now. All of that said, when it comes to the everyday act of controlling my HomeKit devices, you know, I don't have a ton of HomeKit accessories. I've got some Hue lights, I've got some smart plugs, and that's about it. And so when I was playing around with the Home app and checking out its automation options, it was exciting to see how much power it gives you and how much you can customize things to your exact needs. But personally, right now, with the HomeKit devices that I have, there aren't any automations that I think I'm going to you know, set up and use on an ongoing basis that I couldn't have done before with Apple's own app. Yeah. And you can get real nerdy in terms of, if I remember correctly, what you can do 
with automation in, in um, Ochkatrer's home app. Um, for example, um, and I found a link to this in one of my reviews, but that's one of the benefits of doing this big annual iOS uh, stories. Um, when iOS 11 came out in 2017, there was a new HomeKit API that allowed developers to uh, set up automations so that um, something would trigger only if um, a specific accessory had one of its characteristics um, between a certain threshold. So for example, let's say that you have a humidity sensor installed and you want to kick off an automation if humidity is between 40 to 60%. Now, that's an automation that can be done in, in the third-party home app uh, because it fully supports device characteristics as triggers for automation. This API, which is a native HomeKit framework API that developers can implement, is not supported in the Apple Home app. So it's, a, it's in the HomeKit framework and it's an official native, you know, it's not a private API. It's something that developers can support, but it is not possible with the Voltin Home app. It is possible with the Home app by Matthias Ochkatterer. So that's pretty awesome. And um, I guess one of my, whenever I tried to use Home, uh, the third-party version, I always found it to be a little more complex than I liked, but that's because I think I'm pre- um, I'm basically like you. I think I have a few more HomeKit accessories than you, Ryan, but I also like I don't have you know specific needs. Like I don't control my garden and my sprinklers with automation because I don't have a garden. Um, like I have a few lights and I have a few home pods and I have a few cameras, but that's about it. I don't have a I don't have a need to build this crazy Ruby Goldberg machine of home automation, you know? Yeah, and the app itself, it I, I think its strong suit is in just exposing a lot of detail about your different devices. So like I was looking at it and working on this challenge and I saw specific properties of my hue lights, such as the uh, exact hue and the exact, I don't remember what it was, but different qualities of the light for the current setting that it's on, which I wouldn't be able to see in Apple's home app. And so it's nice for more technical things like that. But other than that, like I said, I, I'm not one to go to the app anyways to run things. So. Um, so the other thing that I did for this challenge, besides using this home app, is I combined a pair of system features on iOS, which are uh, text replacement and type to Siri. Uh, so text replacement is an iOS feature that's been around for a long time. Uh, from the settings app, you can set up as many replacement shortcuts as you'd like, uh, whereby typing in that shortcut will cause iOS to expand the text into a longer phrase that you set up in advance. Uh, so I use text replacements multiple times every day uh, for things like entering my email address uh, or typing common emoji. I have little shortcuts to type an emoji. Uh, For this challenge in particular though, I set up some replacements that were specific to HomeKit commands, which I could then issue to Siri using type to Siri. By default on iOS, Siri only responds to voice input. Uh, There's not a standard text mode like there is with, say, Google Assistant. But in iOS 11, Apple added something called Type to Siri as an accessibility option. 
And if you activate that feature, then whenever you summon Siri using a hardware button, so on newer iPads and iPhones, that would be the side button, long pressing the side button. Uh, on older devices, it's holding the home button down. Uh, but whenever you summon Siri through a hardware button, then when type to Siri is activated, Siri will present a text box where you can type commands in rather than listening for voice input. And I personally have kept this feature enabled on both my iPhone and my iPad ever since it launched, because for me, it makes sense that if I want to speak to Siri, I can use the Hey Assistant trigger phrase, and Siri will listen for my voice. Uh, but then whenever I want to type something, I activate Siri with the hardware button, and I can type from there. So this is very clever. Um, I still don't like the way that type to, type to Siri works on iOS, um, I because it, it's a it's an it's a mode that once it turned it's it is turned on, it replaces voice activation. Ideally, um, I would like to continue using Siri via voice by default, so that when I long press the physical button, the side button on my iPad Pro, because I never use the trigger phrase with my iPad or, you know, I, I just don't like the idea of speaking to the iPad. Um, so when I press the side button, I would like to still have the option of talking to Siri, but if I just start typing on a connected keyboard, it should just receive text input instead. So right now it is an option. Once you enable type to Siri and you press the side button, it defaults to a text field and he removes the microphone input. I would like it to remain by default the microphone input uh, so that I can talk to Siri. And I actually do that quite a bit. When I'm at my desk, I can just reach for the side button and long press and ask Siri to do something. But then if I prefer to type to Siri, and I've actually been using the text, re text replacement approach myself, not for HomeKit, which is a thing that I'm going to steal, uh, but for other things, I can just start typing on the keyboard and those letters will go into the Siri input UI. So hopefully this will be one of the improvements for iOS 13. I've long wanted to have um, a textual, textual mode for Siri. Apple did it as a kind of accessibility feature, which is something that they do when they want to start testing something, but they're not fully ready to commit to that feature yet. So hopefully there will be a more uh, fleshed out functionality in the next version of iOS. Yeah, and honestly, one of the drawbacks that I ran into is that I set up different text replacements that would give Siri a command related to a HomeKit device. So for example, uh, I set up the phrase on lamp, all one word, on lamp, to turn into the phrase turn on the lamps, which would activate my HomeKit scene that turns on all the lamps in my apartment. And so it's really quick and really easy to do that once you've got Siri activated with type to Siri. But in order to do that with the smart keyboard folio, which is the keyboard that I use, I have to take my hands off the keyboard and go to the side of the iPad mm. and hold down the button. Whereas I know that, for example, the bridge keyboard comes with a dedicated Siri key, which I'm sure would make this a lot more convenient. 
Yes, it's much, much better. Uh, if you just long press the Siri key in the bottom left corner, uh, the Siri UI comes up immediately. And then if you have type to Siri enabled, you can just start typing and press enter. And uh, the command will execute based on what you typed into the Siri field. So yeah, it's definitely much, much better uh, if you have a third-party keyboard. A quick fix of, for, of sorts for this would be to just assign a system-wide keyboard shortcut to Siri. Like you have a command search for a command space for search. So um, even if Apple does not want to release a new Smart Keyboard Folio Pro or ship a revision to the Smart Keyboard Folio with the Siri key, they could just have um, a system-wide shortcut, like they do, for example, for going back to the home screen. The uh, Smart Keyboard Folio does not have a dedicated home screen key. The Bridge Keyboard does, and I think the Slim Folio Pro by Logitech does. But you can just hit Command H, and uh, you go back to the home screen, and that's it. So maybe I don't know, Command Shift S or something else could be a Siri shortcut, uh, not a Siri keyboard shortcut, not a Siri shortcut. <laughs> that is a different thing. Yeah. Um, so I have a few questions for you. Um, of course, the first one would be. Are you happy that you did this this challenge? Like, are you gonna keep using the third party home app? Um, is there anything that you're gonna take away from this challenge and try to reimplement in your daily usage of um, HomeKit? I'm definitely going to keep the home apps widgets installed. Now, how often I use those versus using the Control Center tile for Apple's home app, I'm not sure, and we'll find out over time. Uh, but I do think that they're a valuable addition. And it would be even better if on the iPad we had those two columns for widgets like we used to have a couple of years ago. But uh, that was taken away and hasn't come back since. But hey, maybe in iOS 13 we'll get widgets on the home screen and that will make those uh, home widgets even more valuable. Um, besides that, again, type to Siri is a great way, I think, to issue commands related to HomeKit devices. I don't know how much I'm going to use it. I think that I really would if I had that dedicated Siri key, or like you said, if Apple added a keyboard shortcut to trigger Siri, then I could see myself doing that all the time rather than speaking to Siri on my HomePod. Uh, but as it is right now with having to reach up and hit that button, I, I'm not sure if that'll stick or not. Yeah. Um, my second question was, if you had a spare iPad, would you, would you consider running a dashboard app for HomeKit? That's a good question. I, I probably would. And probably what would happen is that would then lead me to buy more HomeKit accessories. <laughs> um, you know, I would want to see that live camera view. I would want to have the thermostat on there. Uh, I think that could be the gateway to a very expensive future for me. So it's probably best that I don't have that spare iPad, but uh, I, I do think that would be pretty neat. What I'm hearing is we better get Ryan a spare iPad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, uh, Ryan, moving on, we'll, we'll figure out the spare iPad thing, don't worry. <laughs> uh, lessons learned from this challenge. Yeah, I think overall, I, I learned that there are some interesting and beneficial alternative ways to interact with your home Git devices that I don't normally do. Uh, type to Siri and Ohm's widgets are both, I think, valuable additions. Um, at the end of the day, though, my number one method for controlling HomeKit devices is Siri on my HomePod. 
if I didn't have a HomePod, then I'm guessing that I would use Siri on my iPad more regularly. Uh, there's just something magical about speaking into the air and having your home environment change around you on command. And so the things that I did for this challenge are great secondary methods of control. Uh, but for me, nothing beats Siri for controlling HomeKit. All right. Uh, I think you did, you did well overall. Uh, you used a third-party app, but you also came up with a type to Siri integration. So uh, well done. Well done, Ryan. All right. So uh, do you want to remind our listeners what the challenge for me was and how terrible you, you were to me? It, yeah, you you say it was terrible. I it was actually it was actually kind of fun, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Oh, the truth comes out. <laughs> okay. Well, my challenge for you is that I wanted you to write and publish an article for Mac Stories using Apple Notes. So how did that go? Yeah. See, um, the thing about me is that I like a good problem. Like um, when something is not working but I have a way to sort of make it happen. That's when, you know, when, when the, the creative itch uh, takes the better, the better of me and like uh, I, I need to figure out a solution. So, um, so I, I tried to tackle this challenge on two fronts. Um, first one was I needed to figure out a way to uh, convert the shortcut that I'm using to um, create um, templates for linked posts on Mac Stories in my text editor. So I should preface that by saying I decided very early on that I was not going to write a full-on app review or a long-form story in Apple Notes because I don't hate myself. iOS 13, it's coming up soon. Perfect opportunity. No, it is not, it is not happening. Not even a footnote of that <laughs> being typed in Apple Notes. Um, I decided I'm just going to do a quick linked post, one of those short uh, things that we publish on Mac Stories. And it turned out to be a linked post to the first episode of Adapt. So perfect. That's very meta. Yes. I have a shortcut that allows me in Safari to select some text from a web page that I want to link to. And that selection, along with the title of the original web page and a link to the original web page, they become a template in IA Writer. So I convert the Safari selection to Markdown, and from Safari, I open IA Writer, and the template is ready for me. So I needed to figure out a way to convert the shortcut. But also, because I realized I was going to have to type in Markdown, I'm going to explain why in a few minutes, I wanted to have a way. And of course, Apple Notes does not support Markdown, uh, which means it does not have a Markdown preview tool. So I wanted to build um, a Markdown preview, so an HTML preview for Markdown for Apple Notes using shortcuts. Uh, and both of them turned out to be possible. So the first part, uh, creating the linked post in, in Apple Notes. Um, there are some new Apple Notes actions that Apple released in shortcuts as part of the 2.2 update earlier this year. And uh, these actions are pretty awesome. They have some serious limitations, but they are much, much better than what used to be the only Apple Notes integration before. So in the old days of workflow and shortcuts, you could only show the Apple Notes extension. So every time you wanted to save a new note, uh, using shortcuts or workflow, you had to do so manually. 
So you had to pass some text to the Apple Notes extension, which would open the, it's called the Compose Sheet. And that's um, that's a pop-up that comes up in the middle of the screen, so you have to interact with it manually. But with Shortcuts 2.2, Apple introduced these new notes actions that allow you to create notes and append text um, to a note and also retrieve the contents of notes via search directly in the background, um, entirely automated, without any manual user interaction. Um, so again, very early on, I realized I'm going to be using the new Apple Notes actions in Shortcuts so that I can create a new linked post template in Apple Notes without actually having to open Apple Notes. So that's pretty awesome. And um, we, we talked about this idea in the context of, you know, Shortcuts is ever, if it's ever going to get a third-party API, you will be able to do this. You will be able to create new content in a third-party app in the background. So right there, you can see the first main difference between my current setup with IA Writer and doing this challenge with Apple Notes. With IA Writer from Safari, I'm forced to open the IA Writer app when I want to create a new template. With Apple Notes and this modification to my shortcut, um, I can just select some text in Safari and then I hit the shortcuts extension and it creates a new template in Apple Notes and that's entirely done in the background. I, I, I am not taken into the Apple Notes app to see the document being created. It's all done in the background. So what you're saying is that you're going to switch all of your writing to Apple Notes now? No, uh, again, no, it's, it is not happening. Um, so um, I used Markdown, as I mentioned, um, because these new notes actions, they do not support rich text. That's the biggest limitation so far. Um, you can only save plain text to Apple Notes. And of course, Markdown is based on plain text. And um, so I realized, well, it would be awesome to actually have a rich text, rich text visual environment to create these posts, but that's not going to be possible. Um, also, I came across other problems of trying to recreate my shortcut uh, with Apple Notes. First one, um, you cannot create a new note in a specific folder. Um, that's just not possible in the create note action. There is no field to say create this note in the posts folder, which is a, a folder that I created for this challenge. Um, so I deleted that folder immediately and I was very sad. Very sad. Yes. Yeah, very sad. I even gave it a fancy puzzle emoji icon uh, oh. you know, because of uh, the show yeah. the artwork yeah um, but yeah uh, but yeah you can only create new notes with shortcuts in the main notes for section of the app so um, also you cannot assign a title field so in apple notes notes uh, can have a title and uh, it's the you know it's the bold bigger font at the top of your note um, and you can also hit, uh, if you're in the first line of text and you realize you don't have a title, you can hit Command-Shift-T and make a line of text a, uh, a title in Apple Notes. Uh, but in shortcuts, you cannot say, this is the title, this is the body text. When you create a new note using the Create Note action, everything is body text. So, um, yeah, that doesn't work. Um, I had some problems initially trying to um, 
when I realized, okay, the, the note gets created in the background, everything is fine. Um, but then I also wanted to open Apple Notes, you know, so replicate my setup of jumping from Safari into the text editor, because that's what I want to do. When I want to link something, I want to do it right away. So um, I struggled initially in trying to find the note that I had just created um, using the um, find notes action in shortcuts. Um, that was fixed. So if anybody's running into this problem uh, of you're creating a new note and you immediately want to find the new note and jump to that note, um, I used the body contains name approach. So um, it's a very specific filter where I'm effectively searching for the title of the linked post. So the title, that would be the title of the original web page in the body field of the note. And that's because, again, Shortcuts does not differentiate between body and title. Everything is body text. So using body contains text, that works. And I connected that to show note, which is another uh, not the show notes of this podcast, but show note is a is an action in shortcuts. So if you combine find note and show note, you can jump directly into a specific note. No need to use a URL scheme. No need to use X callback. It's all native. And again, this is why I want Apple to have a developer API for shortcuts because it's so much better than um, using URL schemes. So so far, this was the creation of the post template. It kind of works. I'm glad that you are also going to talk about writing in Apple Notes yes. because if you tried to write the whole thing within shortcuts using Notes actions, I do not think that would have counted as using Apple Notes. Yes, of course. So in, writing in Apple Notes, um, for me specifically, suffers from the problems that I mentioned before. It does not support Markdown. So... It does not have any kind of syntax highlighting for Markdown. And also, because everything that I publish on Mac Stories needs to be in Markdown, because that's what we use to generate the HTML that people see on eventually on the website, I realized it's probably best if I don't mix and match rich text and Markdown in the same note. Um, because in theory, I could be I could have a combination of markdown and rich text. So plain markdown syntax, you know, with all the square brackets and the parentheses and the asterisks and all that. But maybe I could also combine that with some rich text. But then I realized, you know, it's probably going to get weird if I do this. Like if I then publish to using shortcuts to Mac stories, it's going to do something weird, you know, mixing and matching rich text that needs to be converted to HTML and also some inline markdown. I didn't want to do that. Um, so I remained, you know, in the strictly markdown field. There are some, um, some interesting workarounds that I came up with. Uh, so for example, uh, the markdown syntax, if you want to have a link, um, there's two types of links that you can do in markdown. And we're going to link to the John Gruber official Markdown spec in the show notes. Where can people find the show notes, Ryan? Well, you can find them on relay.fm slash adapt slash two or in the podcast app you're listening to right now. Perfect. Um, so I prefer inline links. Those will be the square brackets that surround um, 
a word or multiple words that you want to be hyperlinks followed by a URL and closed in parentheses. The problem is, if you copy a link from Safari, and you can do this by either you know, selecting the address bar and then doing Command-C or Copy, or even better, on the, on the iPad and on the iPhone, you can tap and hold on the Safari address bar and then do Copy. That's a useful gesture that contains a bunch of other options as well. So if you copy a link on your iPad and you paste that link in Apple Notes, it does not become a raw URL that you can use for Markdown. It becomes a rich link that hides the actual URL, but shows you a clickable title of the web page you're linking to. So, of course, that was not going to work for Markdown because Markdown wants raw URLs. So the workaround that I came up with was copying the link from Safari, doing command space to open search, pasting, um, so command V, which uh, effectively converts the rich link into plain text, then doing very quickly command A, which would be select all, and command X, which would be cut. Then hide search again and paste in Apple Notes. So in basically three seconds, it's a way to convert a rich link to a plain text URL um, because other, there is no uh, paste as plain text command in Apple Notes. So my workaround was paste the link into the search field, cut it again, and paste it into the Apple Notes text field. That was the best solution that I came up with. I'm sorry. Yeah, that sounds like a real pain. <laughs> well, I I needed to have, you know, raw URLs. So, um, what else? Well, I discovered, uh, well, not discovered as much as I remembered, I guess, that in Apple Notes, um, you can start lists automatically um, by just typing an asterisk followed by a space on an empty line of text that becomes a bulleted list. Um, it also works with dashes and numbers. So you can just type and you create a new list. Of course, if you use Markdown, that's a problem because you actually want the asterisk. You don't want the bullet. You want the asterisk or the dash. Um, anyway, the, I put together this post in Apple Notes by hand, typing the Markdown syntax like an animal with all the brackets and, the, and the, all the things that you need. And then I, I created a new shortcut um, that I'm going to be sharing in the show notes. There will be the link to download this shortcut, which is a generalized Markdown to HTML shortcut that you can run anywhere on your device. You can run it in Apple Notes. You can run it in Mail. <laughs> you can run it in your text editor. And it shows you a pop-up with an HTML preview of the markdown text that you just shared with the share sheet. Um, there, you can see there's an image uh, in the show notes that shows you a markdown preview on top of Apple Notes. And that's because by sharing the text of the note with the shortcuts extension, I was able to preview the HTML rich text version of the note without actually having to leave Apple Notes. So uh, that's entirely done with some shortcuts actions and some very basic CSS that I put together in the shortcut. And it's, uh, it works anywhere. It's, a, it's an app agnostic shortcut. You can run it anywhere that you can share Markdown. And after previewing the Markdown that I typed, I used my other shortcut 
which is called Publish to WordPress, which uh, allows me to post some markdown text directly to Mac Stories. Uh, all of these shortcuts are also available in the Mac Stories Shortcuts Archive that you can find at macstories.net short slash shortcuts. Um, so yes, I was in, this took me about like um, excluding the researching phasing shortcuts, I would say about five minutes, typing the note and making a few fixes and previewing the markdown and publishing to Mac Stories. And, you know, it looks just fine on the website. So um, would you say that this completes the challenge? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, it does. And it's funny. I think one of the appeals for me of the idea of using Apple Notes to publish is that I use Apple Notes for just about everything besides what I write for Mac Stories, besides things that are published. And, uh, and so for me, it seems like it would be simpler to just do everything in one app. And yet the process that you explained, while it does make it possible to write and publish from Apple Notes, Simple probably wouldn't be a good way to describe it. Yeah, um, there was a lot of a uh, lot of automation involved, uh, a lot of shortcuts that that made it possible. I do wonder if Apple would ever consider like multiple syntax, uh, like multiple syntaxes for Apple Notes, um, sort of like a way to say, do you want to use a rich text for this note, or do you want to use a plain text with a monospaced font, or do you want to use Markdown? Apple does use Markdown in some places. Um, for example, in Xcode, I think, or in Swift, in Swift Playgrounds, maybe, you can write documentation pages using Markdown. So there's some kind of precedent for this. Uh, I think it would be pretty awesome to extend Apple Notes to sort of be like a, like a text editor, especially considering the lack of a text edit for iOS. But anyway, um, doing this challenge, well, it made me realize that, of course, so far, Notes is not an ideal candidate for Markdown uh, and, mar and people who write in Markdown. Shortcuts, uh, second lesson would be shortcuts needs very badly more flexible and richer Apple Notes actions. I should be able to pass some rich text to Apple Notes. I should be able to pass documents and attachments and all kinds of things that are not plain text. And I should be able to define like folders for a new note or the title field or the body field like separately from each other. And it also reminded me that Apple Notes is a very good app, despite the fact that it's not ideal for Markdown. And I don't know if I mentioned this on Adapt uh, yet, but I, after a, a, an experiment with Evernote for three months, I moved everything back to Apple Notes and I'm falling in love with Apple Notes all over again. Um, it's a very, very good notes app, honestly. And uh, so doing this challenge was fun because it reignited my passion for Apple Notes. Uh, so that's, that was a nice side effect. Well, that's good. All right, so since we had two challenges today, and I know that we have some Q&A we're going to get to in a little while, we are just going to do a little mini topic today, which is timed with the release of first details about iOS 13 here shortly. Uh, WWDC is just a few days away. And so what we wanted to do is come up with just two, our top two potential iOS changes in iOS 13 that would make our iPad lives better. I'm sure that we could both name a ton of things that we want to see changed. 
And I know that you did that some in your Beyond the Tablet story on Mac Stories recently. But the limitation here is we just get to name two things. So just rapid fire, Federico, what is one of your top two things you want to see changed? Okay, there's a common theme in my two things. The first one is better integration with external keyboards. I want to be able to use my iPad with an, ex- with an external keyboard more without having to constantly reach out and touch the screen. Um, I've been saying this for several months now. There should be support for navigation, not just keyboard shortcuts. So I want to be able to you know, scroll my home screen from the keyboard with the arrow keys or select apps or control multitasking and engage split view or slide over entirely from the keyboard. Uh, the more that I can avoid touching the screen, the better, because you know it, it is not a good experience to use an iPad with an external keyboard, but then having to extend your arm and reach out to the screen. Also, I believe that the existing keyboard integration should be faster, should be better. Um, for example, there's always a delay when you invoke search with command space and before you you can start typing. I've all, um, I, I guess I'm, I've conditioned myself to accept this limitation in that after I hit command space on my iPad, I pause for a fraction of a second because I know that if I just start typing right away, the first few letters will be cut, uh, will not be received in, and, and will not appear in the text field of the search UI, uh, I think that should be faster like on a Mac. If on a Mac you hit command space to open spotlight and there's, and then start typing all of your letters, make it into the search box. So using an external keyboard with the iPad should be just as fast as using it on a Mac. Yeah, I agree. I, I call the uh, command space issue the uh, Gruber feature Yes, because <laughs> John Gruber has expressed his displeasure with the way that... Uh, Search has that delay on the iPad. And actually, I heard him on a recent episode of the talk show mention that he has heard from a little birdie that that issue is fixed in iOS 13. So oh, interesting. crossing okay. my fingers that that is true. Um, and I agree 100% on more control of the system from a keyboard. I think the app Things has done a great job of demonstrating how powerful this could be on the iPad. And there's, there's no reason Apple can't do that. So, all right, um, my top request... Uh, kind of encompasses a lot of different things, so hopefully it's not cheating. But uh, simply put, it is I want more methods for activating shortcuts, meaning shortcuts from the Shortcuts app uh, throughout the system on iOS. Uh, so the two main things I have in mind are keyboard shortcuts, which goes along really well with your request. Uh, I'd like to trigger shortcuts in the Shortcuts app using a keyboard shortcut wherever I am on iOS. So it'd be great to manually configure certain hotkeys that when I enter that combination of keys, no matter what app I'm using, no matter where I am on the system, on the home screen, a shortcut will trigger. Uh, The other way that I like to see shortcuts expanded is that I would love to be able to set shortcuts to automatically run at different times of day, or let's say when I arrive at a certain location, when I leave a location, I, I want to have more control over having shortcuts automatically trigger rather than having to always manually trigger a shortcut. Yeah, that's one of the features that keep uh, coming up when folks ask about um, shortcuts on, on iOS. 
having automatic triggers is definitely among the top questions that I receive from people. So that's a very that's a very good request. Um, so my second pick and last pick again, it's about external uh, accessories. Um, I would like to see improved support for external storage devices, so USB or SD cards, as well as external audio devices. Right now, uh, I don't know if we can make this uh, the chapter image, but it'll be in the show notes. Um, it shows you, there's a photo that shows you the kind of setup that I have to record Adapt from my iPad Pro. There's a bunch of cables, there's a bunch of hardware. Uh, this is actually one of the chapters of the Beyond the Tablet story that you mentioned. Um, and that's because I need to use one extra audio device with my iPad compared to my Mac Mini. Uh, which in return means a bunch of uh, extra cables. It's a much, much messier setup. Um, that's because the iPad cannot work with an external USB audio interface, uh, just like a Mac can. Uh, so I would like to have some settings in the settings app or in control center, whatever, a simplified version of the input-output settings that you get on macOS. So you can decide uh, from an audio perspective what constitutes an input and where, you know, what constitutes output, where should audio play, where should audio come in. Uh, So a better way for podcasters or for vloggers, for folks who work with video and audio to say, this is input, this is output, please don't make me buy 10 more cables and an extra USB interface if I just want to do this with an iPad Pro. Similarly, you know, for as much as the cloud and cloud storage is now a thing and has been a thing for multiple years now, uh, in the real world, practically speaking, people still use external USB drives or USB sticks or SD cards if they want to quickly pass something around. Um, the problem is with the iPad, if you want to, you, you, even though it's got a USB-C port, you still cannot plug a USB drive or use or USB stick or an SD card adapter into the iPad Pro and browse the contents of that accessory in the Files app. And I think that is absurd. Um, as apps have shown time and time again, it makes total sense to browse external storage devices from the Files app because that's the very idea of Files. It is a centralized location for all kinds of files And all kinds of files, I believe, include external accessories. So this is one of the features that I hope to see in iOS 13. And if Apple wants to make it exclusive to the iPad Pros with USB-C, that'd be fine, because I have two of them. (laughs) (laughs) So that that would be okay. Thank you, Apple. Uh, All right. So my second pick is uh, what would really make my iPad life easier is the heavily rumored feature of having multiple instances of an app via tabs or or some other method. Uh, The basic idea is that a single app could have multiple, let's say, documents on screen at once. So you could put two documents next to each other in a split view, the way that Safari can show two websites side by side on iOS. Additionally, I'd wanna be able to keep multiple documents close at hand by having them open in tabs. You know, I would use this most often, I'm sure, in Apple Notes. Um, you said that you are falling back in love with Apple Notes. I have never really fallen out of love. I have uh, over 1,200 notes right now, and I constantly go back and forth between different ones. 
So if I could keep several notes open in tabs so that I can kind of easily move between them, and if I could put two notes or more on screen at once, then that would eliminate a huge pain point for me. Yeah, that would be that would be an amazing feature, actually. Uh, really hope it happens. Um, Ryan, how many notes do you have in, in Apple Notes? Uh, just over 1,200. Can you explain that number? Like, how, like it, it comes how after 1,100. Yes, <laughs> I am familiar with the number itself. Like, why so many? Are you the John Voorhees of notes? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't put that on me. Mm. They, so, okay, I do have a lot of notes, but they are meticulously organized. Sure, is that so your excuse? it's they not are, a fair comparison. Art, artisanally organized notes. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. I, I do have a lot of notes, and honestly, lots of them are more for reference someday if I need them. Uh, the way that I've actually organized my note folders is I have a whole bunch in archives and, and the main notes that I use every day are further up in my list. But yeah, it, it gets a little unruly when you got this many notes as far as organizing them, but um, it, it works for me. And uh, the app still runs just as fast, just as smoothly, which is why I keep continuing to love using it. Mm. All right. Um, all right, Ryan, it's time for some hashtag ask adapt, some Q&A. And again, I want to remind our very kind listeners that if you have any kinds of questions that you want to ask us and have a chance to be featured on the show, you can ask us questions on Twitter, uh, preferably. Uh, and if you include the hashtag ask adapt, we will see those tweets. Uh, we have safe searches. We have automations going on that allows uh, that allow us to see those tweets, see those questions, and consider them for inclusion on the show. And I will go with the first one. Listener Andreas wants to know one iOS. Well, I guess he doesn't want to know. This is just something that he said. Um, one iOS thirteen wish being able to quit multiple iCloud tabs on iOS. Um, Yes, Andreas, this is a wish because it's not a feature that is possible. Andreas is referring to the ability for devices signed into the same iCloud account to expose the tabs that are currently open in Safari. Um, if you open the tab view of Safari, that, that would be accessed uh, by tapping the tab button or by hitting on an external keyboard connected to your iPad, command shift uh, backslash. Yes, um, you can see the tab overview, and in that screen, you can see all of your devices, your Mac, your iPhone, multiple iPads, and all the Safari tabs that are opened on each of them. You can close those tabs individually by swiping on them and hitting delete. There's no feature to say, purge all of my iCloud tabs everywhere on all of my devices. So... I don't know if Apple ever wants to do this. It feels like a like a like a weapon of mass deletion that would be maybe a little too much. But um yeah, I I actually, you know, as a tab hoarder myself, I would like actually this feature. So it's not uncommon that I close like 120 tabs on my phone because I keep opening them. Oh wow. Yeah, I I never would have thought of needing this feature because I uh, unlike my notes habits, which we just discussed, I actually am really good about closing my tabs frequently. So I very rarely have more than, let's say, five tabs open at once, and then I close them when I'm done with them. So, all right. Our next question came from listener Sam. 
He asks, what workflow do you use for recording and editing podcasts on your iPad? Hmm. Well, I good for you, Sam, because I have a dedicated section from my iPad story from last week all about podcasting from an iPad Pro. It is not an ideal solution, but it is a solution and it works. I mean, I'm recording this episode of Adapt right now from my iPad Pro. So this would be too long to explain on the show right now. Uh, there's a link for you. You will find it in the show notes. There's a section with photos, details, screenshots, everything uh, about what you need to know um, about my podcasting setup. But basically, TLDR would be uh, there's a bunch of cables, a USB-C adapter, one USB audio interface, and a separate um, recorder where I plug my Shure microphone via XLR. XLR. So it is not pretty, it is not ideal, but it works. Yeah, and for me personally, I don't technically record on my iPad, but I do use my iPad as a display for my Mac Mini. And so the whole recording experience feels like it's being done on the iPad, even though technically the Mac is what's recording everything. So I have a Luna display that's connected to my Mac Mini. And while recording, I use the Luna Display iPad app to view my Mac's interface, uh, where I use Skype to handle a call. I use QuickTime for recording and then Audio Hijack as a backup recording. And then in addition to that, uh, I use either Google Docs or at the moment, actually Apple Notes as a slide over app on my iPad. And so Notes is floating above the Luna Display app. And I have a note shared with you, Federico, where we are going through our show outline right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. As far as editing goes, I use Ferrite Recording Studio on my iPad to edit the show. Uh, I'm still relatively new to it, so I keep learning new things regularly when I use the app. Uh, but someday when I kind of settle in more with it and figure out exactly my ideal workflow, uh, I plan to write about that on Mac Stories. Listener Rowan. How do you say this? R- Rowan? Yeah, you got it. Rowan. Okay. Uh, once you know, in an alternative reality where Apple offered build-to-order iPad Pros, what ports or features would you add or subtract to your order? I would kill for a built-in SD, SD card slot. Well, I don't know if I would kill for an SD card slot. Uh, that feels like a little too much. But I, uh, given the option, this would be my advice for all build-to-order situations. Always spend money on RAM. You will never regret spending money on RAM. Given the option, would I want to use an iPad Pro with 16 gigs of RAM? Yes. If possible, I would put double or triple the RAM in there because I feel like I will never regret that going forward. Uh, and again, this is all a hypothetical. I don't know if Apple will ever offer build-to-order options for iOS devices, but uh, that was the purpose of this question, to imagine this potential future. Uh, also, I should specify, I never go for base models. Um, that's just my thing. I explained, for example... Uh, last year, uh, why I went for the one terabyte iPad Pro with the extra space and the extra RAM. Um, there's a, I, I always think getting saving money and getting the slightly better option is always a good investment, especially with Apple product products and especially with iOS devices that um, run into you know um, cutoffs in terms of which version of iOS they can run years down the road. Um, Given the option too, I would say I would welcome a second USB-C port, not a dedicated SD card slot. Uh, I feel like with the second USB-C port, 
I would be able to stop using a USB-C hub. So I would use one for charging and one for plugging in an SD card adapter, for example, or I don't know, a USB audio interface, you know, just if I could stop using this Kingston Nucleum USB hub that I have and having a second port right next to the iPad or maybe to the opposite side, I don't know. I mean, personally, I would be happy with three USB-C ports, but maybe that's too much. Uh, just an extra, one, an extra one would be nice. Yeah, and I would appreciate getting the headphone jack back, to be honest. Huh, uh, why? So I didn't use the headphone jack on the iPad for years after AirPods came out. Uh, I would just use my AirPods, both on my iPhone and my iPad. But now that I'm editing podcasts on my iPad, uh, I use headphones with a standard 3.5 millimeter connection. And so I have to use a dongle to connect that to my iPad's USB-C port. Uh, so I don't think that Apple should bring the headphone jack back for everybody. But since the question had to do with build-to-order models, uh, I personally would appreciate a headphone jack on mine. And then in addition to that, I do agree that a second USB-C port would be great. Um, it's not essential for me right now, uh, mainly because iOS currently doesn't let you do much with USB devices. But if and when that changes, I think a second port would be especially valuable. Listener Javier writes in, do you find that you need to plug in your iPads to charge while you're working throughout the day? The more I use my iPad as a daily driver, the more often I need to run it while charging. Hmm. Well, I, I haven't noticed this problem myself. So I charge my iPad Pro every night. I leave it plugged in. Uh, the big iPad Pro stays in the living room and I take the small iPad Pro in the bedroom if I want to do some reading or some, some gaming. Um, I should say that I do not keep my iPad at max brightness because I use the Apple-provided auto-brightness setting. So I think that plays into um, not having the battery fully drained during the day. Um, how about you, Ryan? Yeah, I do not use auto-brightness because it honestly drives me crazy. Uh, I typically keep the, the brightness level right about the halfway point, uh, and I almost never need to plug in to charge during the day. Uh, I just charge it every night. But that said, the battery does get really low by the end of the day. I, I don't know if it's just the hardware being different or changes in iOS, but I have definitely noticed that the 2018 iPad Pro tends to drain its battery quicker than my previous 2017 and 2015 models. Uh, on those older models, I could usually get to the end of the day with, let's say, 30 or 40% battery left. Whereas with the 2018 model, I will frequently get down into the teens or even single digits. So lower battery performance, but it does still get me through a full day. All right. So that concludes our Q&A section. And again, hashtag AskAdapt on Twitter, and we will see your questions and we will consider them for the show. All right, Federico. So it is that time in the show where we need to assign the next challenge. And I'm thinking that for this next episode, we should just stick with one challenge. Um, WWDC is next week, which means that in our next episode, we will hopefully have lots of iOS 13 iPad goodies to talk about. Uh, we definitely want to leave ample time to do that. So uh, since you have now completed two challenges over our two episodes, I, I think it's only fair that for this next one, you give me a challenge. Yes. Okay. It is fair. So I think you like 
and you use the Smart Keyboard Folio. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so my challenge for you will be I want you to publish two posts on Mac Stories. One typed entirely with the software keyboard, with the touch keyboard, and one quote-unquote typed entirely with dictation. Oh, boy. Now, they can be short posts. That's fine. They don't have to be long reviews. And of course, when you do the dictation one, you can do formatting using the touch keyboard. Um, it would be fun if you actually use dictation to say square bracket and close parentheses. <laughs> Does that even work? I think it, it actually works. So you can try that. Uh, I think maybe pasting the URL, of course, will not work. So that kind of formatting that is not supported by dictation, you can use the keyboard, but it has to be the touch one. So one post with the touch keyboard, one post with dictation for as far as dictation goes. How's that sound? Uh, it sounds more like two <laughs> challenges than one, but I think I'm going to let no, that slide this time. I mean, you have, you have two weeks and, uh, you know, you can, uh, if you ever need a break from all the iOS 13 coverage, that we'll have on Mac Stories, you can just uh, think about the challenge and uh, all the different ways that you can solve this. Okay. All right. Well, I will get to work on that shortly. All right. So this has been episode two of Adapt. Like we said earlier, if you want to find the show notes for this episode, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash two. And if you want to follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at iRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And you will find both of us writing at maxstories.net. We will be back in two weeks with lots, I'm sure, to share on iOS 13. But until then, we will say our farewells. Arrivederci. Goodbye. Goodbye.